Okay, uh, those that are here and uh, those that are on Zoom, either way, um, it's a Batevi, it's Eir Shabbos, Parashat Fayigash. It also happens to be, we mentioned the, the Yod site of Moyavi Rabbi of Moshe Shapiro, Zatzal, it should be, the should be Ilun Ishmosai, Moshe Ben Yitzchok Meir, and um, we're going to try and bring it all together. This also happens to be the 25th of December, and that will also have a connection. But let's mainly focus on the parsha. Let's begin, because who can resist? Parsha's Vayigash, which really is the climax of Vayeshev, Miketz, and we approach Vayigash. And I'm going to repeat something which perhaps is an idea that people might be familiar with, but it's worth building again. Rav Nevensel speaks about it in his Sefer. There's a beautiful Sefer that somebody gave me this here, Vayev Ki also um, um, talks about this idea. It's brought down in Sepharim, but I wanted to bring out the incredible idea and how we'll then see how it's going to relate to also um, Batavis. And that is the incredible question of how could it be that the brothers were not able to guess that the man standing in front of them was Yosef HaTzadik. And, and the second part of that is, and what was Yosef trying to do? What was he trying to do in all of this? Was he trying to cover up his identity? If you'll see, he wasn't doing a good job. Um, and we'll have to work out there from both ends. How could the brothers recogni- not recognize? And why was Yosef doing all of this? So let's begin with all the incredible hints that were given. Because we know that the brothers were thinking about Yosef when they came down to Mitzrayim. As the Possek says, it calls them the the Ache Yosef that go down to Mitzrayim. And Rashi already says why they called the Achim of Yosef, to tell you that they were thinking about him. They went to look for him. The Medrash says that they went to the lowest places to try and find him. So he clearly was on their mind. Not only that, as soon as they stand in front of Yosef for the first time, Yosef recognizes them, but he... So Yosef recognizes all of them, but they, they don't recognize him. And Rashi says the famous line, Rashi says because... He didn't have a beard when he left. When he left, now he has a beard. And everybody looks at that Rashi and says, you know, okay, I can hear, you know, a beard. People can look a bit different with a beard, but it's not such a great difference. Now, it's, um, it, it's actually a fact that Yaakov had a beard. A fact. What's the fact? How do I know Yaakov had a beard? The one answer is, possibly Yaakov had a beard. I mean, we talking about Yaakov didn't have a beard. Yaakov must have had a beard. You know why? Because the Gemara says that the Shufra, the beauty of Yaakov, was like the beauty of Odom Arishan. And Rabbi Yechanan also had the beauty like Yaakov and Odom Arishan, except he was Kosa one thing. Rabbi Yechanan, the Gemara, didn't have a beard. So it's, it's clear that Yaakov had a beard. If you wanted a riot. Posture anyway, but there's a riot. Yaakov had a beard. Now, if Yaakov had a beard, and we're told that Yosef looked like Yaakov. Ayla told us Yaakov, Yosef. Mistama, when Yosef had a beard, he should have looked even more like Yaakov. They should have walked in there and be like, what? <laughs> you know? And, and yet, nothing. Nothing. And we know that he was on their mind. Because they weren't looking for him. And if you don't want a medrash to help you, because, I don't know, I mean, that wasn't enough for you, so the psukim. The Pesukim say clear, straight out. They're standing in front of him and they say these amazing words. They say, why is this happening? They're standing in front of him and saying, you know why this is happening? We're guilty because we're in Utsar. We saw the pain and we should have had a bit more mercy on him. <coughs> so they're talking about it into his face. And yet, nobody realizes. Not only that, it's all bizarre. Here comes some people from the land of Kanaan who've come to gain their grain and get food and go back home. And suddenly they're interrogated, they're accused of being spies, which obviously is very strange. 
Um, and bes- apart from that, they come to the front of the line, and this person is giving out the food. One of the first questions he asks them is, you know, how's your father? What are you asking me about? My, why are you asking? How's your father? Is your father still alive? And not only once, when they come back again, how's your father? Is he still alive? Why on earth is this Egyptian interested in our father? What are you asking these personal questions for? And nobody, nobody flinches. <clears throat> not only that, but we know. Yosef gave them the answer from the beginning. You know, nowadays people are worried. You've got an exam. What questions are they going to ask me? You know, I need to do past papers. Yosef gave them the answer. He told them all those years ago, what were the dreams that you're going to come down, you're going to bow down to me. So you've got the answer paper in your hand. You're all, and it's not like you've forgotten about the dreams. You know why this happened. You're talking about Yosef. We, and you, he's on your mind. No. One and one is two. Remember what the dreams are? You come, you're going to bow down to somebody. Well, here it is. Here you are. You're bowing down to somebody. It makes all, he gave you the answer from the beginning. Nobody notices. And then we have, he sits them down. That's also incredible. He invites them. In one minute you're accusing them of being spies, then you invite them to a suda. Come in, wine and dine. And the brothers are very suspicious going on here all of a sudden. What's he going to accuse us of now? And he sits, sits them down and the, and the medrash says that he looked at his magic cup and he says, but it doesn't actually say that in the psukim. In the psukim it just says, he positioned each one. This is psukim. Reuben, you're going to sit here. You're the bachar. Shimon, you're next. Lady, you're next. And they were astounded. How does he know? What do you mean, how does he know? Why don't you put two and two together? Oh, the magic cup, the magic cup. And it's incredible that they don't realize. And here they are, with all the answers and everything staring at them in the face, and they don't realize. Now, apart from that, at the same time, Yosef's not doing a good cover-up job. Number one, asking, how's your father, is not a good thing to do if you want to keep your identity um, hidden. Number, and besi- apart from that, he says to them, Eselakim and Yore. I fear Hashem. Now there can't be that many people in Egypt that say, were saying Baruch Hashem, or you know, or the equivalent. Eselakim and Yore, what are you doing? That's not a very good line to say if you don't want them to guess who you are. Then the Medrash says, the Medrash is unbelievable, the Medrashim. The Medrash says that when they were all coming to sit and wine and dine with the Yosef, he says, okay, Pinyomin, I see you don't have a mother, and I also don't have a mother, so you'll sit next to me. Oh, I mean, that's, if ever there was a line, it's going to blow it. That, that. And yet, nothing. In fact, the Medrash brings down that Binyamin did know. Binyamin did know, and he said, um, and he said to Yosef, told him, don't say anything to the brothers, which is understandable, because you'll see, <coughs> Binyamin wasn't involved in the sale of Yosef, so he got it. He was just told not to say anything. Okay. And there's so many others we could go on and on. It says that um, when they captured Shimon, so um, Yosef sent in his son Menashe to capture him. And Shimon was a mighty warrior, destroyed uh, you know, the whole city of, of, um, of Shechem. And um, what happens? Menashe gives him a, a punch or whatever it is and knocks him to the floor. And, and he responds, wow, we've only ever seen such strength in our father's house. Again, Another clue. Okay, we've got all these clues, but again, nobody knows this because of the beard. Because of the beard. So we have everything here. You know, how's your father? I fear Hashem. The age of every brother in, in the order. And the whole thing's bizarre. And they know that the dreams, this is where it all happened from. They're thinking about him. And they keep mentioning the brother. And nobody guesses. And not only does nobody guess, 
But at the same time, Yosef is not doing a good job to cover it up. And now we come to this week's parasha. And it's just unbelievable. It's incredible what's happening here. As, as Yosef pushes it to the next stage, oh yeah, where's the commitment to Binyamin? Like he's making them now really say, do you want to go, are you going to put your life on the line for this Binyamin? And that's what happens. Yehuda steps forward, Yehuda. And, and, and he says to him, you know, how could you do this? Now, now, before we get to the, the punchline, what we have to understand here is two things are going on. From the point of view of the brothers, they couldn't guess. And the pshat is, the pshat is, because if you don't want to see the truth, you won't see it, even if it's staring at you in the face. That means to say, if it's true that this person in front of them is Yosef, and again, we're talking about the brothers on their level, we cannot even understand. It says in the Medrash, this was the only hate they did in their whole life. It's one Medrash. Whatever it was, this is basically it. So we're talking about, and they thought he was an Esau, and they thought they were doing the greatest good to get rid of him in the world. Okay. But at the same time, if this is really Yosef, we were wrong, not just about the fact that we shouldn't have sold him in such a cruel way. We should have been a bit nicer when we sold him down to Mitzrayim. We should have, you know, a little bit softer. You were wrong not just about that. You were wrong about who he was. He was Yosef Atzadik. You didn't realize he was Yosef Atzadik. You didn't realize. You were wrong about who he was. Not just a semi we should have had more Rachmanos on him when we sold him down. No, you shouldn't have sold him at all. But if, you do, if this is really the case, then we were wrong then you won't see it. If you haven't understood it, you won't see it even if it's staring at you in the face. <coughs> and now in this week's parasha, when he's standing, Yehuda now takes on, he steps forward, and he takes on Yosef, and he threatens to wipe out all of time. And at this point, what does Yehuda say? He gives a whole speech. How can you do this? You're going to ruin my father. And just think about the words that he's saying. It's mamash, literally the speech that Yehud is playing. Just insert the word binyomin, take out the word binyomin, insert the word Yosef. In this same speech. Imagine if, that, if that's what Yehud would have heard in his words. How can you do this? How can you do this to Yosef? And this is what you've done to my father, and what's going to be with my father? And Yehud is mamash giving himself the own speech. The irony. Of, of the greatest Musa speech ever. And Nafshay Kishur of Nafshay, and it's going to ruin my father. And of course, when Yosef reveals himself to his brothers, he says, that one line, the only Musa he says, is Ha'oidovichai. Never mind me. Oh, but you're right. Nafshay Kishur of Nafshay, and all the rest of it. No. That's the Musa that he says. But as he steps forward, the Medrash says something incredible. The Medrash says at the last minute, Yosef wants to reveal himself to the brothers. He can't hold back anymore. He can't hold back. And he sends everybody out. And he says, you know this brother you've been speaking about, that I've been asking you about, the long lost brother? I know where he is. I know where he is. And I'm going to call him in. And says the Medrash, he called in, Yosef ben Yaakov, come in, Yosef ben Yaakov. And they're all looking in different directions. This corner. That corner. And he says, where are you looking? I need Yosef. And at that point, we know they couldn't speak. <clears throat> they couldn't speak. Because the Musa was just too profound. How did they not guess, even at the last minute? At the last minute, it should have been that one person should have said, I got it! I, 
But the greatest of the great, the, the greatest minds, the greatest people. Yeah, the last one they shouldn't have done it. I'm coming up by I've got it. Even as a suggestion, stop the clock. I know the answer. It must be that. Must be him. I'm telling you. Even as a suggestion, what do you think? What do you think? Nothing. Nobody even even suggests it until finally he has to say, "Ani Yosef." A pellet of a pellet. Every clue was there. Because if you don't want to see the truth, that means to say, if you cannot fathom that this would mean that you'd be wrong, then you won't see it. And I want to suggest that Yosef understood this straight away. How could they not recognize him? He knew immediately that it must be that if they're not recognizing me, they've not done shuva, meaning to say they don't regret because they couldn't fathom this could be me. And all Yosef wants, for their good, for their good, is that they should just do tshuva. Not for him. By the, by the end of it, he says, don't worry, you know, because Baruch who sent me down to Mitzrayim, Mitzad me, that's not Yosef Cheshbon, but Mitzad you, for what you did, I wanted to do tshuva. And he pushes everything in that direction. He accuses them of being spies. What's a spy? What you, what? They should immediately, everybody knows, and Mr. Shalom says, when something happens to a person, you're supposed to analyze why this happening, why is this happening? No, we don't know on specific levels. We're not tzaddikim. But these were the great tzaddikim. And they could pinpoint, why is this happening? It must be because of this. And they do so immediately. The first thing they say is, because when we, when we sold him, we should have had more rachmanos. Good, you're on the right track. But they should have picked up, no, 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 one second, Miraglim, of being accused of spying. A false accusation that we are trying to now say something about something else. Ah, oh, maybe once upon a time we also did that. We accused our brother, Yosef, of being somebody that really he wasn't. Yosef was the biggest tzaddik nista ever. The tzaddik nista. He was so nista, they didn't even know about it in his family. It's a You couldn't know that he was a tzaddik. You didn't know. You just talking. Okay, Rashi says originally he was in the Salsa Basari. But some even say that was that itself was just on the outside. He was just he just didn't want them to know who he really was on the inside. But Yosef is the most pneumatic person ever. Sadik on the inside, and he, he doesn't want anybody to know about it. He, and he lives in the inside. That's how he's able to survive all these years. Incredible in Mitzrayim and the tumor and everything else going on. He's not he's not influenced by the outside. He's Yosef on the inside. And even in the base of him, when he was there. It says he used to look, and the Medrash says he used to watch every one of his brothers to pick up what Milo could he get from them. And he would emulate that Milo. He had all the Milo's of all the brothers. But he didn't, didn't make anything of himself. And that's why they were convinced. Oh, they, they couldn't understand that. And Yosef wants them to do tshuva. Meraglim. What does he say to them? He says, everything's a remez. He says, oh, well, you've sto- you stolen the money, right? The money in the, in the sacks. Remember? Oh, money, whoa. Mechira. Mm, Maybe we shouldn't have sold somebody and received some money for that. Or what about the fact that they take my... Uh, oh, they say, the one who's taking the cup, he's going to be... The, he'll be my Ebed. And you can all go back in peace to your father. I mean, the words are screaming at them in the, in the face. He'll be the Ebed. Ebed, Ebed. Remember you sold your son, your, your brother as an Ebed. So this Ben Rachel will be the Ebed. And you'll go back in peace to your father. In peace, that, yeah. In other words, think about the peace that's happened with this ever that you sold down to Mitzrayim. It's all there, it's clear that Yosef just wanted to do tshuva. Again, it's not, it's chas v'shalom, you shouldn't think for one second. It's not revenge, it's none of that. He has no negias himself, just for their sake, he wants them to understand. Just, you do tshuva for your sake, not for me. 
And it says, He couldn't hold back. The diuk is that if he could have, he would have. He could have, he would have. And we know, Chazal say that the Asarugi Malchus are a result of Mechiros Yosef. So it's clear that the deal wasn't finished then. For whatever reason, and it's Meduyuk that Yosef never said the word, he's Meichel. He never said he's Meichel, not because he wasn't Meichel, but Hashem just obviously didn't want him to say those words. And then we have Asarugi Malchus. Which is the result of the Mechiros Yosef. And he wanted them to do tshuva. And if he would have held back, maybe there wouldn't have been. But he couldn't hold back anymore. And he had to reveal himself. And what does he say? These incredible words. He says, Ani Yosef. What about all that sholem that you said about my father? The most stinging Musa. Which they couldn't. And it says, they couldn't answer back, was the Pasuk say. Read it inside. Why? Here's the diuk. It's my diuk. But the chariot's poshut and it's alderv drush. They couldn't answer him. Poshupsha. They were astounded in front of him. But kinivhalim iponov also has connotations of from the face. How good for the kasha? And you couldn't recognize just because of the beard? You couldn't recognize all of you and Yaakov Abinu and all these clues that he was saying and everything he was mentioning. You couldn't recognize just because of the miponov. Wow! They were completely stunned, kinivhalim iponov from the face. How do we not guess? And that's what we're told that a person leaves this world and he's told, Ani Hashem. And says the Medrash Abakayim Badla says that what are the greatest Musa? No, you don't have to give it. Ani Hashem, you didn't notice? You didn't notice? Ani Hashem, the whole world. Because of a thin beard called nature, you didn't notice? And that's the incredible power of these parashiyas. That Akash Baruch is talking to us all the time. There's a thin layer called a beard, but we have to look beneath the beard to see what's really happening in the world. And this is, this is what Rav Moshe Shapiro Zatzal taught us. The fourth yacht site. <coughs> Rav Moshe used to always say about Asura Beteves, the following idea. And this is something where you'll see, this is the lesson we have to see beneath the beard, beneath the surface. It's the Yodua is brought down, and we say it in Slichas this morning, the 8th, 9th, and 10th are three days of darkness that came down to the world. When Talmud HaMelech insisted that the, the Zikanium translate the Torah into Greek, this was a terrible thing. A calamity. Three days of darkness came to the world. And that's one thing we mentioned in Slichas. Three terrible things happened. Sarbitebes is the 10th. We have the 8th, which is the is the translation of turning to Greek, where three days of darkness came to the world. Then the ninth, it's brought down, Ezra HaSaifa, that's what we said, Ezra HaSaifa was Nifta, Ezra HaSaifa passed away. It's another reason of a calamity. And again, one could ask, okay, I mean, you know, every day of the year there's some great tzaddik, there's Nifta, well, what's the big thing that Ezra HaSaifa is, is, is incredibly great, but why specifically this tragedy? And also what's so tragic about the Torah being translated into Greek? And of course, and then Asura Batavis, the Yushalayim is put under siege. No, again, one could ask. It's not Shiva Sabatamas, which is the beginning of the end, and it's not Tishabah, which is Bamash, the end. There's a siege. 
why is this such a chomodika thing? I mean, no, it's a chomod, a bedram, right? That even if it was on Shabbos, then which it can't fall out, but if it would be, then you would even fast on Shabbos. It's such a chomodika thing. So Ramesha explained that all three of them are the same Indian. Translating the Torah into Greek was an absolute tragedy. It was a world of light which became a world of darkness. Because Torah is ad ein soif. The infinite depth of Torah in every letter of the word, every letter of every word. Jeroshes, how many halachas did we learn from extra vobs and hus and gzir shavas and hekeshes? That's just halacha. And when it comes to oimek upon oimek, the depth upon depth from letters, and you could say tilim tilim shal halachas Rabbi Kiva would darshan from a kutsay shal yud, even from the tagim on the letters. Never mind the letters themselves and what they represent. Because Loshon HaKadosh is Loshon HaKadosh is, is Kadesh. Why? As the Ran says at the beginning of the Dorim, Yodua de Karan, that when it comes to language, other language, that's convention. Yeah. Well, a book is a book. There's nothing book-like about it. You just have to call it a book, so we're going to come up with a word. But in Torah, it's a Sefer, and a Sefer means something. A Samach, a Pei, a Resh. Sefer means something which is bordered. There's so much depth to the word, but the word can only be accessed, the richness of the word, and all the multiple layers that are there in the Torah can only be accessed in Lashon HaKadosh. If you just translate it, then it's just one pun. We know there's Shivan pun in the Torah. And, and now you're just going to say one story, because you're going to translate it into, into Greek, so it's just that. You've lost everything. Everything. And everybody knows this. You know, you, you start... When you translate Torah, you lose it. You lose everything. All the, all the beauty of Torah. So it's a world of light which goes into, plunged into a world of darkness. You've lost all the depth. It's become, so to superficial Torah. That's what it is. It's one side. It's superficial. You've lost all the depth. It's been taken away. It's such a superficial Torah, which is a tragedy, because that's what Torah is not. Torah isn't, is everything but superficial. Torah is oimek. It's depth and beauty. When Ezra passed away, what's the significance of Ezra? Ezra is Malachi, the last of the Nevi'im. Chagai is the Malachi. Malachi is the last of the Nevi'im. Ezra is Malachi. This was the end of Nevoah. The end of Nevoah in the world. Can you imagine the difference between the world when there was Nevoah and the world after Nevoah? Before Nevoah, the lights are on. <laughs> it wasn't just for the, the 48 Nevi'im in Tanakh. There were millions of Nevi'im. Anybody could be a Novi. If you got to the level, you would automatically receive Nevoah. Ladeiris, there was only 48 Nevi'im, fine. But Lagabe, when it comes to actually a Novi, somebody who could actually experience Nevoah, anybody. Can you imagine that? You just got Nevoah from Shemaim, you'd get exactly the connection, the lights were on, the whole world was elevated. And now, that's completely cut off and we live in a world post-Nevoah. It's a disaster. We have no connection. In fact, that's why it's also brought down that on the 9th of Davis, there's another pshat brought down that it's that we don't know what happened on that day. Which is a reference to, they say, as Moshe used to say that, it's a reference to the birth of, uh, of Yoshki, and uh, that coincides in the, the secular date today. The, the birth of, of, of Yoshki. And that was a disaster. You know why that was a disaster? Because in a world when there's no Nevoah, when you've lost that clarity, so then, it's handed over to who? To the Chachamim. That's a wonderful thing to be handed over to the Chachamim. A Chacham Adif Minovi, if he's a good Chacham. But the danger is, all of a sudden, oh, Haim Amru, Shleich Devarim. That's a wonderful thing, because Haim Amru, with Tzadikim. So we understand what they said. But other people come and say, well, if they can say that, then that's their thing. Then my opinion is this. It became now given over to people. Now the wonderful thing is if you're a Chacham, but if you're not a Chacham, and you're a, you're a Yashki, then it turns out that you're going to distort the entire Torah and create a whole world to which we've suffered till this day. 
suffered. The Jewish people have suffered. Thousands of people have been killed in the name of something else. It's Ayin Venoira. It's Ayin Venoira, but the point here is, it's a world of darkness. We've been cut off from the world of Navuah. We live in the dark. And of course, Asar Bateves. What's the significance of Asar Bateves? Can they see John Yerushalayim? You know what the significance was? How on earth could you lay siege on Yerushalayim? It doesn't make sense. Yerushalayim is Ayrishal Oilam. It's Akadish Baruch's palace. It's impossible. It should be impossible to destroy a base of Migdash. This is a Bainishalayim's world. How could a bust of a dawn come and destroy a base of Migdash? It's impossible. The way it should be. Asura Batavis, for the first time, now all of a sudden, they're able to lay siege on Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim you can't lay siege on. But you know what it means? Suddenly, Akadish Borg had given over the keys. It's tragic. Into some Russia Marusha. But he's going to run the world. He's going to lay siege on, on, on Kedoshim. He's going to decide to destroy ultimately the base of Mikdosh. The beginning of the end was that you could lay siege on, on Yerushalayim. How's that possible? That's taking the world. That's completely that's strangling the world. That's completely cutting off from the source. So all three days... The, th- the translation of Torah is disconnecting from the great depth and the beauty and the light of Torah. The end of Nuvuah, which is a disconnection from that incredible power of the spiritual world. And laying siege in Yishalayim, that, that a boss of Adama Rasha could lay siege on something Ruchni, this is something disastrous. What's the solution? All of this is saying the same as really Parshas Vayigash. The solution is We've got to get back to the world where we're not convinced simply by just looking at the exterior, at the superficial. Don't translate the Torah into Greek. Don't just look at the world in a superficial way. Then all you'll see will be the beard. You'll never see something deeper. The Rebbein Shalom says, look beneath the surface, and it's not far beneath the surface. Just a little bit of Aymik, and you'll see the Yad Hashem in everything. The Yad Hashem. Just the other week, I was giving a I talk to teenagers, and you talk about how you can understand certain things of, of the Yad Hashem. So I shared with them a very chosh of a Rebbe that's well known. Rebbe says, how could it be that every bar mitzvah boy is all, all of a sudden commanded after believing Hashem when philosophers are still debating, so to speak. <clears throat> so the best way of explaining this, I think, just in a simple way, is that the Torah asks you to think straight and to think deeper. It's not about a proof in terms of something external. It's about something internal. And the way to understand this is, if Chas Shalom, a person, has ever experienced any illness, they've, they've, broken their, they've broken their leg, their stomach is, is, is in, in agony, they've got pain from kidney stones, and then suddenly they get better, they're able to say that bracha the next morning. But let's say someone's got a problem with their eyes. They can't see for a month. And then all of a sudden they can see, they're going to be saying Perkeach Ibrahim with proper kavanah. Now, is there anybody in the world that will say, no, eyes are irrelevant, who cares about eyes? You know, eyes are just, young just used to eyes, they don't do anything special. Nobody's going to argue that. Anybody who has it, they're blind, they'll do anything, they're paying all the money in the world to have that eyes. So why, when we can see, why are we not jumping for joy? But Hashem, we can see, Baruch Hashem, I can walk, Baruch Hashem, I can breathe. And only when it goes wrong do we say, wow, I didn't realize that that part of the body really has so, such significance. Why are we not bestimcha? It's very simple. Because we don't think about it. We're not misbaining. All of us. We're not misbaining. It's not about 
I don't have to prove to you that eyes are miraculous. I don't have to prove that to you. So why does it not move us? You know why? Because we're not misspoiling. We don't, we don't contemplate it. And only when chas v'sholom we lose it or threaten to lose it, suddenly it becomes, it hits home. Wow! It suddenly goes in. But all the Kodesh Baruch wants you to do is look at the world with his boyness. Think about it. Contemplate. Says the Bukhanah, that's why you don't need to be a philosopher. You can be a regular person. Thinks b'svara pshuta. But think! Be misspoiling. Make a bracha. And a bracha means think about it. Think about the fact that how on earth is an apple created on a tree it's a nice. How can my hands move? How can I breathe? How can I be alive? How can I have a mind to think and an ability to speak? There's no way that could, that could argue that those things are, are irrelevant. No, it just doesn't move us at all because we're used to it. Because we live in a superficial world. And in a superficial world, no, 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 okay, yeah, we're just used to these things. And that's what a life of a yid is to make brachas, to realize every bracha we make is another penetration beneath the surface. I'm not going to fall prey to this idea of just looking at the world in a superficial way. I'm going to live with the Rebbeinu Shalom. And that's Pashas Vayigash. Yosef screams at the brothers, please recognize who I am. Please. He wants them to do tshuva. And in the end, he has to say, I need Yosef. And the Medrash says, don't let that happen to you. Don't walk through life just seeing the beard. And that's the message of Asura Batavis, and that's the message that Mayuvi Rebbe of Moshe Shapiro stood for. Everything he did was trying to explain to us everything. Don't take anything for granted. Every Medrash Chazal, oh, that like, sounds like a fairy tale. Chas Shalom. In the most fairy tale like Medrashim of the deepest Aymak of Torah. Always. We hear that, yeah, Hashem offered the nations, all the Torah, yeah, it's very cute, and the kids sing it in school. But what does it mean, Rabbi Sa'ad? And what does it mean when you hear things that sound, so to speak, like a fairy tale, chas v'shalom? And it's the furthest thing from it, it's the oimek. And I'll just conclude, I remember Moshe once saying, he had a chumash in front of him, and he said, most people in the world, they, they think this is a book. That's what it is, it's a book. It's a book. And, and if that's how we look at it, then we're living in the world of Greece. And he would give a marshal, and this marshal will conclude. He says, when a child learns to read, a child learns to read, what do you see? You teach him Aleph, and Beis, and Gimel now. When he gets good at this, you open up the book and you say, aha, ah, it's an Aleph. And there's another Aleph. And there's another Aleph. He can recognize the letter. And he gets excited, he can see the letter. But when you get good at reading, you don't even notice the letters. The letter is there to spell the word. And the word is telling me something. It's speaking to me. Imagine they wrote a book review. This is a fantastic book. They've used the best font possible. The font is brilliant. And the paper, top quality. Beautiful paper. That's all very nice. If you're going to print a safer, it's nice to do that that way. But that's not what makes a good safer. It's not what makes a good book. What is it saying to you? So when Moshe used to say, they see this as a book. It's not a book. No, what's it saying to us? And that's how we know, that's what Torah is. But the whole world is that. The whole world is a world of Rabbeinu Shalom speaking to us. It's a book. Hashemai Mesaprim Kavoyed Kale. It's a safer, which is Mesaprim. It's speaking to us all the time. And that is the world that Rabbeinu taught us. Never to take things for granted. Never, ever, Chas Shalom to think about even a Maimah Chazal. That maybe it was something uh, superficial. No, Chazal spoke ba'aymek ba'aymek. Kalvachayma, the Torah itself, of course, everything we have 
is there to see beneath the surface. May we be Zoycha to come out of this darkness of the three days of darkness, come out of the darkness of a Sarabatevis where we live in this limited world. We have to wear masks to remind us that we're just living in a Chitani world. When someone wears a mask, uh, uh, who's behind that mask? What's there? No, uh, that's what Banishan is telling us. Look at the world in a deeper way. And don't just think the solution is this, the solution is that. There's only one solution. It's Hashem's world. We put ourselves in Hashem's world. That's the solution. The more we do tshuva, the better we become, the better we are to other people. The more chesed we can do, the more Torah we can learn. Everything that we can do better, that's what's going to improve the situation. And only that. That's how a yid lives his life. And that's what Rav Moshe Shapiro's at Sal Torahs. And that's what, that's how we're going to get out of this Azor Batevis. Maybe we see this, these, these days of, of Azor Batevis, as the Novi says, be turned around from days of fasting and days of difficulty to days of Simcha when Mashiach comes, these will be Yomim Toivim, Azor Batevis, Shiras Batamas, and Tishabad will be Yomim Toivim. May we see them turn into Yomim Toivim, Bimheru, Yomenu, Amen.